So this afternoon I thought we would reflect upon uh, prayer. And as always, but especially with prayer, before we talk about prayer, it's good to pray. So, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask You once again this night that You would enlighten us, that You would guide us with Your presence. And we pray, Holy Spirit, especially that You would teach us how to pray. That You would reveal Yourself to us. And that we would follow You as You lead us. And Mary, in a particular way, You who pondered the Word in Your heart, we ask You to intercede for us this night. And we make this prayer, Jesus, in Your holy name. Amen. It's a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to His disciples, When you pray, you must, not, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, before you ask Him. I'd like to ask you all a question before we talk about prayer that might seem unrelated to prayer but as we will discover is really part of what the essence of prayer is. And that question is, do you believe that God loves you? Like really believe in the depths of your heart, in every fiber of your being. Do you believe that God loves you? If you do, then you already understand what prayer is and what it's about. 
The problem is, of course, that we don't fully believe in God's love for us. And therefore, prayer is very difficult at times. What happens when we don't believe fully in God's love for us? We become suspicious of God's activity in our life. We doubt God's presence and his nearness to us. And we think we have to contrive these elaborate methods or these great plans of prayer in the hopes that this new method or new way is going to turn God towards me to get his attention. Prayer then becomes this desperate attempt at self-affirmation as opposed to self-giving. If you and I fully believed in God's love, there would never be a question or a concern about our prayer life. Because prayer is ultimately a relationship of love. And as beautiful as that sounds, it's so difficult for us, it's so difficult for me. Perhaps because it is so simple. You know, when I was younger, I tried so hard to pray. I devoured books on prayer. I spoke to holy people about prayer. I spent time in monasteries, retreat houses, hoping to learn how to pray. All the time assuming that prayer was something I could accomplish. Or that prayer was something that needed to be accomplished with maybe the right book, the right teacher, the right method, or the right setting. When I was a a postulant in our community, that's the first um, stage of formation. When I was a postulant, I woke up every morning at 4.30 in the morning. Now, we don't have to be up until 6 o'clock. We start prayer at 6 o'clock in the morning. But I woke up at 4.30 because I wanted to pray for an hour before our actual prayer time happened. 
And during that time, I would pray anything I could get my hands on. Rosaries, I would say prayers, I would read books. I was very desperate to pray. And on the surface, exteriorly, everything looked good. I looked holy. I looked pious. My classmates gave me the nickname, I was the class mystic. But there was something that wasn't right. My desire for prayer was pure, and it was a gift from the Lord, no doubt about it. But there was a part of me that was using prayer as a means of acquiring something. What was I trying to acquire? It was God's love. And how would I acquire that? Well, I thought by praying more, by praying longer, by praying harder. It's a very worldly mentality. In other words, I didn't believe fully that I was already loved by God. And because I didn't believe that, my prayer was more an attempt at self-affirmation than self-giving. In this Gospel that I read just a few moments ago, Jesus says some very profound things to us about prayer. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. You know, it's important to recognize when Jesus says, go into your room, He's not necessarily talking about a physical space. Right? In first century Palestine, rooms or houses didn't have rooms. It was a house was one room, basically. It's, it's great now in the modern world, we all have our own private rooms. But when Jesus is telling us about prayer, He's not necessarily suggesting we go into a, literally a private room, which is a good idea, of course. But he's reminding us something much deeper. He's reminding us to go into that one place where no matter where we are, no one else can be. And that is in our heart. When Jesus is telling us to go into your room and shut the door, he's reminding us of this fact that prayer is this interior journey into our very own depths.
Because prayer is a relationship of love. And every relationship demands at some level a certain amount of solitude, being alone with the other, a certain amount of vulnerability, the giving of myself, and a certain amount of receptivity, receiving the other. And so what is it that Jesus is telling us? It's simply that He and the Father desire us. Go into your inner room. Enter into this relationship of love. And you will know more deeply our love for you. You know, Jesus also says in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they will be heard for their many words. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What is Jesus saying here? What he's saying, I believe, is that you and I, we don't have to explain ourselves before God. We don't have to prove ourselves to God. We don't have to manipulate life or circumstances or even God. Why? Your Father knows what you need. In other words, you are in a relationship of love already with God. You know, several weeks ago, I was visiting um, some friends of mine who are married, have a, they have a few young kids, and one of their kids is at that stage where they're obsessed with hide-and-go-seek. And in the course of maybe two or three hours when I was there, I was sitting in the living room with uh, my friend Blake and his wife, Christina, and we were talking, and probably about three or four times, his one young girl would, would come in, and she would kind of interrupt the conversation, and she would say, Daddy, Daddy, hide and go seek. I'll go hide, you find me. And so Blake's like, okay. And so she runs off, and then like 20 seconds later, you hear her, you hear her say out, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> and we, obviously we know where she is, and um, so Blake gets up, and he starts walking. And every single time, this happened probably three or four times in about two hours, as he would get maybe 15 feet away from where she was, she would run out of the closet or from underneath the bed, wherever she was, and she would jump 
in her father's arms and she would say, here I am, daddy. She was so anxious to be found. She trusted so much in the goodness of her father. And you know, when I was driving home and I was just thinking about her, I thought to myself, isn't this exactly the disposition Jesus is teaching us about prayer? Isn't this the disposition Jesus desires for us to have in prayer? Here I am, Father. Many years ago, when I was in uh, the seminary, I was, I was entering my second year, and for the summer, I, my community sent me to our, our friary in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And before, on my way there, I was actually stopping in Omaha, where I was going to do uh, an eight-day directed retreat with this uh, religious community. And I was so excited to do this retreat because, again, I just had just this desire and this thirst for prayer. And when I got to this community, I met with the, uh, the priest who was going to direct me for eight days. And he explained to me what was kind of their way uh, of praying. And for them, they were really big uh, into journaling. And so he was, he was kind of explaining how they do that and what he meant by it. And so he was giving me scriptures to pray with. And then he said, I would like you to journal. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, I like journaling. I'm a writer. And he's like, but this is how I want you to do it. So you, would, you were going to pray for several hours each day, one-hour periods, about four one-hour periods every day. And he said, at the, the beginning of a prayer time, I want you to write to either the Father, Jesus, Mary, or the Holy Spirit. And he said, I, I, at the top of your, your notebook, I want you to write, Dear Jesus. And I just want you to write whatever it is that's going on in your heart, however you're responding to the scriptures, or whatever's going on. And he said, once you're done saying what you have to say, I want you just to pause. And then I want you to write back what you think Jesus or, or Mary is saying to you. And I was listening to him tell me this, and I thought to myself, I'm going to spend a whole week writing, Dear Jesus, <laughs> Dear Mary. I was like, this is this is so silly. It's like, I'm in the seminary. I know how to pray. Well, I went back to my room and I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. Now, don't tell anyone what I'm about to tell you. This is, <laughs> this is our secret. Okay. What happens here stays here. <laughs> but I went back into my room and within 30 minutes of this journaling, of writing to the Lord, I began to cry like a little baby. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and it turned out to be one of the best retreats of my life. Because my heart was opened to the living God.
You know, journaling was serving as a tool that helped to open my heart to God. But my pride took such a massive hit. Thank God. You know, we talk a lot about spirituality. What I want to talk about is relationship. Spirituality can be so narrow. Sometimes I hear people, they'll say things like, you know, I can't pray like that, or I can't do this, because it's not my spirituality. And when I hear that, I'm oftentimes very confused. You know, I'll ask myself, it's not my spirituality. What does that mean? Because to me, we can oftentimes use that phrase, and it sounds like we're just simply afraid. And we're trying to contain God in a nice little box that we have called spirituality. You know, relationship with God is like an ocean. Not a stream or a river. Right? Ignatian spirituality, Benedictine spirituality, Franciscan spirituality are rivers in which we're meant to travel on that will eventually, God willing, lead us into the ocean. And so what does that mean? It means no spirituality is complete in and of itself, which is why we should not cling so aggressively to merely one way with God. Because God doesn't cling to just one way with us. You know, why do some people gravitate more towards Ignatian or Benedictine or Franciscan spirituality or Carmelite spirituality? The reason is, is because that's the way God got their attention. You want to know how I knew I wasn't called to be a diocesan priest? I love telling the story. <laughs> when I was eight, 19, there was a, an older man in my parish who was discerning diocesan priesthood, and he knew that I was discerning. And but I, I knew I was not called to be a diocesan priest. I was already discerning with the Franciscans. But he, he convinced me in trying to come on this come-and-see weekend at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in, in Philadelphia. I'm from Pennsylvania. And so I said, all right, I'll go. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not called to be a diocesan priest. He's like, well, how do you, you won't know unless you go. <laughs> Those words would come back to haunt him. So... We uh, showed up at the seminary, and again, I was 19 years old. I had long hair at the time, believe it or not. 
I have no hair now, but I had long hair and it was in a ponytail. And I showed up at the seminary with long hair. I had these jeans on that had holes in them and I was wearing sandals. And I show up and I go into this room where there's 20 other young men and every one of them is dressed in a suit and tie. <laughs> and I walked into this room and I said, I think I'm in the wrong place. I'm here for the, vo the vocations weekend. And they're like, no, you're in the right place. <laughs> and I was like, I asked my friend, I said, why is everyone dressed up? And he said, that's the way diocesan priests dress. And I said, I told you I'm not supposed to be a diocesan priest. <laughs> I had no clue. And then when I show up to visit the Franciscans, I mean, they, they open the door, they're like barefoot, they have beards, there's holes in their robes. I was like, oh, finally, people I, uh, people I can relate to. But God got my attention through the Franciscan way. But in my life, there are elements of my own relationship with God that are Ignatian, that are Benedictine, that are Carmelite. But it was through St. Francis, ultimately, that God placed me in the river and which is eventually leading me out into the ocean. You know, imagine if you said to your spouse or to a good friend of yours, look, we are only going to eat this kind of food, or we are only going to watch this kind of movie, or play this kind of sport. To me, that sounds like there are some control issues at work. And let me tell you, if you are trying to control prayer, if you are trying to control God, you are going to suffer a lot. Nobody suffers more than the person who tries to control God. It is endlessly frustrating because God will not let himself be controlled. There are as many different ways to pray as there are people. You know, one time I was, I was speaking with my spiritual director and I kept using the word should. I kept saying things like, well, I, I should be thinking this, I should be experiencing this, I should be feeling this. And I'll never forget his reaction. He stopped me after I said should about four or five times. And he said, who is saying this should? Is God saying you should be thinking this, feeling this, experiencing this? And I said, no, I am. The only thing you and I should be doing is engaging in this relationship of love.
with God that we call prayer. Do you know what, in my opinion, I love most about humanity? I love the fact that humanity is utterly sloppy. Our humanity is not neat, it's not clean, and it's definitely not organized. And our relationship with God is not going to be any of those things. I'm sure you're all very familiar with this story of St. Teresa of Avila. Teresa is going around reforming all of these Carmelite monasteries. She's doing this tremendous work for God. God inspired her. She's being led by God. And so here she is, God's great reformer. And one day she's riding in a horse and uh, carriage, I'm guessing traveling to a, a monastery to visit. And it's in the middle of a rainstorm, and the carriage hits a, a hole in the road, and she goes flying out of the carriage. And she falls in a pool of mud. And Teresa, in her utter humanity and frustration, looks up at God and basically says to him, don't you see all that I'm doing for you? Is this how you treat your, your friends? And she hears Jesus say back to her, Teresa, this is how I treat all of my friends. <laughs> but then Teresa responds and says, well, it's no wonder you have so few. <laughs> that is a woman who is in a relationship with God. And yes, it's a relationship of love because she doesn't hold herself back. She's totally honest, totally vulnerable in everything that she experiences in her humanity. It's interesting how much of ourselves we do not bring to prayer. Oftentimes, somebody will be sharing with me some pain or some confusion or some difficulty. And I'll, I'll oftentimes ask them, you know, have you brought this to the Lord? What is he saying about it that you perceive? And you know, 90% of the time, and this is true for myself as well, the answer is no. We haven't brought it to the Lord. For some strange reason, we don't always bring ourselves to God. And we wonder why God seems so far away. The number one obstacle that I see in people's spiritual lives is that they are afraid to be themselves. 
We touched on this the first yes last night. We're not listening to the song that God is singing in our lives. And what Jesus reminds us of is that what he and the Father want is you. It's that simple. What Jesus and the Father wants is you and me as we really are. Sad, happy, anxious, joyful, afraid, alone. Whatever it is and however it is we are, that is the only requirement for prayer because it is a relationship of love. It's not a final exam where you need to have all the right answers. If you think about it, prayer is really the only place, the only place where you can be fully yourself. You can't always tell your boss, maybe, or your spouse, or your family what's going on inside of you and exteriorly in your life. But with God, you can. And he's waiting to hear it from you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.